Warning. This episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Additionally, this episode's reading carries content warning for some ableist themes around deafness. If this is something that you would like to skip out on, feel free to skip forward to the 11-minute mark. Welcome to Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that didn't make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisnyaks. Listeners, I am thrilled today for the beginning of this, our fifth season of Tales from the Trunk, to welcome an author, an essayist, uh, amazing, spooky person, (laughs) Susan Palumbo, welcome to the show! Hi, I'm Spooky Palumbo. You're Spooky thank Palumbo. You ha- if, yes, if Twitter is still here me. in October, I think we've got your Halloween name for the year. Yeah, actually, I don't need to wait for Halloween. I just use it now, Spooky Palumbo. Perfect. I mean, I honestly haven't taken down my Halloween name since I think I put it up in maybe October of 2020. And like... That's just who I am this now. This is efficient. Yeah. yeah. It's efficient. It's who you are. Uh, why not live your best life? Yeah. Every day is Halloween. Wasn't that a... Is that a ministry song or is that... One of them. I, I'm not sure. But, I mean, it's it's a proverb, maybe. It's a proverb. It's, uh, it is a uh, philosophy of life. And if it is a ministry song, I'll put it in the show notes. Or if it isn't a ministry song, I'll also put it in the show notes. I'll correct myself. Future listeners, you will get to enjoy Hillary who knows things as opposed to Hillary who just pops off at the mouth. Uh, Susan, you're going to be reading Fricatives. Is there anything that we need to know about it before we get in? All right. Um, This is a story probably I wrote in 2018. Maybe earlier, I can't remember because Time this is, is a Who version. Knows? Yeah, it's a version of the story, and the story started earlier than 2018. Um, I, I, I do want to say that, and this is probably part of the reason why I trunked the story, mm-hmm. is that I, I do feel that uh, it, it, it delves a bit or crosses the boundary into a little bit of ableism. Mm, mm-hmm. um so i uh, particularly with hearing even mm. though that's not what the story is about specifically so um i just want to put that up as a signpost that that is in the story sort of or implied and you know for people to be aware of it while they're absolutely. listening absolutely uh and listeners in the future you will have heard a content warning at the beginning of the show telling you how you can just skip the reading if that's what you want to do because I, I want to make sure I don't. Yeah, no, we we uh, we love our past selves and honor the fact that they have made mistakes, and we can learn from it. 
Yeah. I've learned, I, I reread this story the other day and I was like, oh, I can see exactly where my work comes from now. Like, I, I can see lines that I've reworked mm -hmm. and put into other things I've sold. But yeah, this story did not sell and is not going out anywhere. All right. Well, I'm ready when you are. Okay. This is very short. Fricatives. They let me see Vi in recovery an hour after she comes out of general anesthesia. She looks pale, thinner, with only her head and upper body visible above the white sheet. The room is sparse, completely devoid of her thoughts. How are you? Heat creeps up my neck. Stupid. Of course she isn't responding. She can't hear you think anymore. Hmm. Hi, Zell. Her jaw chomps at the air. She's been practicing physical speech for over a year. Interdental fricatives, voice stops. Terminology I didn't know existed until she decided to have the comm chip removed from her cerebrum. Hmm. I dictathink to the tablet she bought for me before the procedure and hold it up to show her. You okay? I've made progress with signing, but haven't been practicing enough with the language vids. My voice is brittle. I can't respond vocally like she'd hoped. It's weird being the only one inside my head, she says. I'm not sure whether she means good weird or bad weird without hints of her internal commentary. All I have to go on are her chapped lips curving up at the corners and the memory of her wry inner humor. <laughs> I smile and kiss her cheek. The routine surgery's gone well, but they want to keep her overnight to make sure she doesn't become disoriented or confused. We don't communicate much. I adjust her pillows and ensure she makes it safely to the washroom. Later, I ease my thoughts into the cloud like it's a warm bath, to chat and let our friends and family know Vi's fine. I snap pictures with the comcam implanted on the back of my hand as evidence post selfies of our faces squished together on our social bullet board. <laughs> it's dark when our car drives me home. I slip off my shoes and curl up on the couch. The quiet's sharp, cold. I never wanted Vi to go through with this. Still don't understand fully why she'd want to sever her connection with the entire world. With me. I'm drowning. She tried to explain one night after dinner. Her mm. thoughts were thick, weary. Everyone has just one more thing to share. At work, at home, she stops herself from continuing. Hmm. But Vi, what you want is isolation. Physical speech is so inefficient. We don't even know if we'll be any good at it. I've had the chip since elementary school. It's too much input, Zell. I'm not the first to have it removed. I slept alone on the couch that night, like I am now. Discharged in the next afternoon is awkward. Vi's unsteady. When she shifts off the bed, I don't know where to position myself to support her. Her elbow knocks into my face. I grab my chin, wait for an apology, but she hasn't registered the contact. It's easier to let it go, so I gather up her toiletries and put them in her bag. The discharge nurse explains how to care for the incision at the back of Vi's skull. Once out loud, once in thoughts directed at me. I listen to both spiels and can't help but notice the difference in tone. Hmm. The nurse's articulation is flawless. Her lilt is musical with Vi. 
I guess the talk is also meant to demonstrate the fluency Vi might achieve. The nurse's instructions pinwheel around the word patience when she talks to me. As you know, Vi can't send or receive messages through the wireless neural comm networks anymore. This will be easier if you both make a concerted effort at communicating. I shake my head when the nurse asks if I have any questions. She touches my elbow before she leaves. Vi tries to chat on the drive home. Her words are clipped. Her syllables chisel at the air. All I can manage in response is the guttural cry of a wounded animal from the base of my throat. At our apartment, she rests on the couch. Our neighbors, Mike and Shell, drop by after a couple of hours. They wave their hands in big arcs and smile exaggerated smiles. Take turns dicta-thinking small talk on the screen affixed to the wall. How are you? Must be really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to take up manual speech. When they grow impatient with Vi's labored responses, they turn to me. Whoa, she's totally offline. We're getting nothing from her. Yeah, it's a big change. How are you going to manage this? You can't speak. I force positive thoughts in their direction. Pity saturates theirs. I'm exhausted after they go. I leave Vi and lie down in the bedroom. She laughs at some program on the comm and the sound slices through me. My ache for the lost intimacy of a shared internal joke is visceral. She shuffles in after a while and sits on the edge of the bed. What's wrong? Her mouth strangles the words. You expected me to accept this separation all along. This isn't what I signed up for when we decided to live together. Everything is bottled up in my head and my disused vocal cords are a stopper. Tears prick the corner of my eyes. She hands me the tablet, but the barrier it represents is a burden in my hands and I don't want to carry it. I toss it onto the parquet floor and it shatters at our feet. Vi's eyes grow wide. A thousand slivers litter the floor between us. She can't ignore the message I'm sending. I see, she says. She stands and shuffles to the door. I'll call my dad. Stay with him for a while. She slams the door behind her. I wipe my face and lay on my back. There's a weight compressing my chest that won't shift. I pucker my lips and push the air out of my lungs. It rattles up my throat and fills my mouth. Wait, I rasp into the empty room. I bite my lip and hope she hears me. The end. Whew. Jiminy criminy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I see exactly what you mean about, like, uh, you know, there, there is definitely some unexamined, uh, you know, stuff around deafness in there, but that's also just, like, I don't know, right before we started recording, we were talking about the, like, crazy-ass state of the world and Elon Musk and all this bullshit and thinking about how, like, there are so many bros who would cape for exactly this situation. Yeah, it is. That's why also when I picked it, I was like, oh, this is, this is so, 
related to where we are right now with these chips and you know recording your thoughts and taking pictures and you, there is no there is no intermediary there is no ai involved with it like you yeah. can there's a chip and it produces what you you want right um that i mean that i would use maybe but like yeah just like woof <laughs> I know, and and I when I wrote this, I mean, this is why it's a bit, it, it's a trunked story because mm -hmm. I, I thought, I I did a good job writing it, but then I thought this was not necessary. I don't have um, this disability. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about deafness, but there are a lot of. Uh, Sim not similarities but what's the word it's the vector it's it's a shared yeah, like vector it's, it's a shared through line yes and i thought to myself i had submitted it a couple times but i was nervous and i thought you know what this is not my story to tell mm -hmm. even though i thought like it's pretty okay written yeah so i thought i thought to myself okay you're gonna put this aside because it's not for you yeah yeah and that's like something that i think everybody has to learn at some point and like but also like it takes some people a real long time to learn it and it's really like the the earlier you can get the idea of like sometimes a thing is not for me and that is okay yeah i i i think a lot of the time what happens is you put in effort into something mm -hmm. and when you put that effort in you sort of expect a res you you put yourself into it and you sort of expect a result or you mm -hmm. expect a reward that's what we're taught right you try your best and if you try your best you'll you'll achieve something mm -hmm. but i think often with stories or with art the thing that you're achieving isn't necessarily a acceptance all the time. Sometimes it's you've learned a lesson. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it ended up being a good exercise in prose for me. Right. Um, and, you know, setting up a story and writing a short story. But it's not it wasn't worth it to me to set, send it out and then to have someone, you know, recognize sort of their experience it in it and then be mm -hmm. like but that's not how it is yeah. i didn't want to hurt anybody for sure for sure yeah I, i'm uh i i can't remember if i've mentioned this on the show before but like i had i i wrote a very angry story right after i wrote a, a lot of very angry stories right after trump was elected uh right but understandably I, yeah understandably but the like the biggest one i wrote that i put like the most time and effort into was completely not my story to tell it was about you know somebody who i am my i am my white person it was about somebody mm -hmm. not white getting rounded right. up by the feds and mm -hmm. like dealing with that in their own way but i finished it and then i was like you're there are so many axes along which this is not your story my dude like good for you for writing it good for you for for realizing this 
put it away. Nobody will ever have to see it. And I commend you for that. Because, yeah, thank you. you know, sometimes I think people think the compassionate thing to do would be to put the story out to show mm -hmm. people how compassionate I am. Like, let me show people that I'm thinking about them. Right? But, and this is not just for you, because we're talking about me trunking a story. Mm -hmm. Sometimes putting what you think isn't really showing compassion as much as it is centering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. And, that, like, that's, you know, that's something I think we watch uh, in real time about every two weeks when somebody else elects themselves main character of the internet. Yeah. Is, like, how, is how that gets responded to. And uh, in some cases we... I mean, normally the people who elect themselves main character aren't the ones who are learning the good lessons, but you know, we can always hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen some takes, though. I don't, I don't know what's I've, happening. I don't know. And on the other hand, like, Joyce Carol Oates having a face turn on Twitter this week and suddenly yelling at transphobes? Amazing. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Like, that, to me... I I just I feel like she just she's just like I'm gonna just say whatever I want to say, <laughs> and you know she's sitting on her porch and she's watching yep. things go on and she's just like randomly calling out stuff. <laughs> and, she, and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's like please just drink your tea. Yeah, she really tweeted through it though. She got she got to the other side. Let's hope she stays there. But like. Who the fuck knows? I so. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to say this. So a lot of the time she says things and I, I disagree, obviously, with mm -hmm. a lot of it. Um, but I do occasionally think of Joyce Carol <laughs> because I hadn't heard from her in a while. And I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder what Joyce is doing. What, what's going on, Joyce? What, what are your what's thoughts happened on with her today? Yeah, or what are her thoughts on the state of Twitter? Like, I haven't heard them. I don't follow her. So mm -hmm. whenever she makes it into my timeline, it's because she, she's done something. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything. And I was like, what is she going to do? What is she going to do? What is Joyce Carol Oates going to do if this site crashes? Turns out. <laughs> it's wild. It is wild. Um, So I... Uh, wanted to circle back kind of on something that you said right before reading this of when you reread this the other day in preparation being able to like see the through lines towards your current writing uh and wondering if you can just talk a little bit more about that because I always find that to be so interesting well it's funny I you tend to see themes sort of continue, right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, I started writing. I started writing for submission in 2015, mm -hmm. and when I started with that, I wasn't really writing queer work. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I was, I was very closeted. Right, but yep. the stories were sort of queer, but not in a in a very uh, I don't know what the word is, extroverted way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this is, this is around 
just after when I started writing queer work. And I have a story um, that came out in Lightspeed in October. Mm-hmm. It's called A Pull a PC, A Descaling. And in that story, it's the setup is very similar to this. There are two merfolk and mm-hmm. one is going through a medical change and the other one has to deal with it. And so I can see, and it's about merfolk. And she actually even says in the story, which when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, she says, <laughs> I'm drowning, right? Mm-hmm. And I use that line in that story in Lightspeed. It, uh, she's going to drown or she's, she's going to drown. So the idea is still there with two people and one of them feeling like they're going to drown. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, or I think, the reason why I was more comfortable um, submitting that story and sending it out was because that story, I feel, was my story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, it deals with a lot of gender issues. It deals with being queer. It deals with being a caretaker for someone who's ill. Mm-hmm. Um, it deals with resentment. And those are all my things. Mm-hmm. So I felt more comfortable putting that out but all of that stuff is in this story Mm -hmm. it's so it i was shocked when i read this i was like you wrote uh this is (laughs) a very similar story to what you had published you just made it more you instead of trying to be like okay technology and and Mm -hmm. you know that wasn't you Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what my I'm going on. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great. Uh, like I I have definitely like done that same ship of Theseus thing with a story before like more intentionally, but it is also like I have you know read things that I've written at this point I've been oh god Listeners, you're hearing me have an existential crisis live on the air. I just realized that I've been sub- like writing work to submit for almost 20 years, and that's oh. a terrifying thought. <laughs> is it, or is it? Is it uh, like? I mean, uh, obviously, you feel you feel the way you feel, yeah. right? But it, it's your thing, then. I mean, if it's 20 years, it's your thing. It's my thing. Yeah. No, that's. It's good. It's just wild to think about. Like, I had this realization the other day of, like, My Chemical Romance is the Black Parade turns 20 in a few years. Right. And having this thing of, like, like that came out after I was in high school. And for that to be almost 20 years old, like, I've come to terms, like, the postal services give up, just turn 20. I'm okay with that. Like, Plans is going to turn 20 in a couple of years. I'm okay with that. Because that came out when I was in high school. But, like, the idea that, like, high school is going to be more than 20 years in the past. Even though, like, I hated high school. I hated everything about it, pretty much. And, but, like, it also, you know, shaped me. So... Yeah, I had a I had a strange experience in high school. For the first couple years, I was really well. For most of my life until high school, probably about grade ten, I was an. Uh, my nickname was weirdo. 
Like they mm-hmm. actually called me that. You know, I had no friends. No one would talk to me. So I guess I developed that, okay, I'll just be humorous and hopefully people will like me sort of mm-hmm. personality. And then I don't know what happened with me between grade 10 and 11, but grade 11, I sort of hit my my personality. I found my personality, <laughs> my, my, my in, and I was able to have a better time in the last, because when I was in high school, we had five years of high school. Oh, so the yep. last three years ended up great but the first bit was horrid Mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah i like you said that i was like oh yeah i remember i remember when high school was five years in canada yeah wild thing yeah i i don't know i when it, when they changed it to four i was like but is that enough time <laughs> just like you know because you you gotta be a grown up after. Yeah, no, I I like when I was you know getting ready to go into high school. I remember talking to my Canadian friends and being like, "Oh, you have to do five years. Like that's so long." And now I'm thinking like, "No, that's not enough time." Yeah, you're not fully I mean, baked yet when you come out. I don't even think I was fully baked last year. <laughs> I mean, I was fully baked the other weekend, if you know what I mean. Hey, I was not. I was not. Uh, I, I, we have the legal weed here. I do not really partake of it. It, uh, I just get stupid, and we don't need that. But uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. refrain <laughs> from commenting. Uh. So when we were, when I was, uh, like, getting ready to get on this recording, I was looking back because I remember that we had a really fascinating conversation on Twitter, and I was like, at the end of it, I was just like, hey, do you want to come on here to talk more about that? And I was looking back because I was like... Can I tell you something? Yes, please. I forgot what it was. And I was sitting here thinking, I know they asked me a specific topic and i can't remember what it is i didn't write it down either and i was like i'm gonna wing it i'm gonna wing it yeah no i i 100 did the thing i always do of like i'll remember this later and then when i looked i was like desperately trying to google this the only thing i could find when i just like googled our twitter handles was talking about drinking pickle juice and buying gas station pickles. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a pickle cast now. <laughs> but that was a great conversation. That was a great do you know conversation. Got, do you know how many people show me bags of pickles now? Like, so whenever many. they go to a gas station, I get like, hey, I know Susan wants to see this, and it's this bag <laughs> of pickles. <laughs> I love hopefully, it. hopefully, I'll be able to pull that up again when I when I uh, when I am putting together show notes for this uh, because well, I mean, you know, that was an all timer. The pickles. The or... pickles. Oh, I, I mean, was, or was... I'll search it and then it'll give us what we were actually going to be talking about, and then I'll be like, oh shit. You think it's, it was related to submitting, obviously, or something it was, like that. yeah. You uh, you are 
on Twitter.com saying smart things about writing all the time. I'm sure it was something is it smart, smart is about it writing. Smart, really? I I don't know what I'm doing on there. <laughs> I I just I mean one I hardly go on there anymore. Like I you know it's lurk. Hard I watch to be things. On there. It's it's a shit show. I I go on Mastodon sometimes. It's nice. It's quieter. Um. It's it's a different thing. I mostly just spend time on Discord now and right. Slack. Which is just, like, you know, much more curated community. I mean, like, some of the fandom servers I'm in are, like, huge, and I have no idea who most of the people are. But, like, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah. kind of feels like a simpler age in some ways of, like, you know, we're going back to, like, we're posting on a message board. Yeah, it's, it's calmer, um... And it is nice to not have to sort of be self-monitoring or self-conscious. Not that you don't have to like pay attention to what you're saying, but mm-hmm. when you're in a community like that, usually people know you. And yeah. so they are sort of aware of your intention or they'll ask you to clarify. Whereas, yeah. you know, on Twitter... It's- it's a public square, so anybody yeah. can take anything anyway. It's always nu- no nuance November on Twitter. No nuance November. I I didn't know about that month. I honestly I don't remember if that's an old thing. If that's just a thing that I heard on TikTok this past year, I have no clue. Like I I just as one of those things. Like for me personally. Like, you know, TBT used to be like, oh, people would post this, post hashtag TBT on Thursdays to do throwbacks, and now it's just a thing that you say to indicate, like, oh, I'm throwing back to whatever, it doesn't matter what the fuck day it is. Like, it's just a thing for me now. I mean, I don't know if that's everybody or if that's just me. I'm not really up with the, the current things. I'm in a cave. That's fair. That's fair. I, like, yeah. There's... Total tangent. I feel like there's another... Oh, that's what it is. It's Shut the Fuck Up Friday, which is... I think... Oh. Might just be a joke from a podcast I listened to. I don't know if the Table Friends got it from somewhere else. Uh, Shoutouts to Friends at the Table for introducing me to the idea of Shut the Fuck Up Friday. Uh, so you have to be quiet on Friday? I think it's more just like a don't run your mouth and get yourself in trouble. Oh boy. That would be hard for me. <laughs> Especially I mean, on Twitter.com. Maybe it would be, yeah. I mean, maybe if it was one day a week. Like, I like that they've dedicated it, like, you know, yeah. on Friday. Just that day. The rest of the Friday. days. Yeah. Run amok. Do what do what you need to the rest of the days, but on Friday, nope. We're closing our mouths. We're not getting in any problems. We're gonna be well hydrated. We're gonna be moisturized. We're gonna be in our lanes. Lovely moisturized lanes. <laughs> oh, I, it's after work, and I'm punchy. Yeah, podcast. I love it. Um, 
Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, like, the joy of having a podcast is, I'm the one who edits this, I get to decide how off the rails it goes at the end of the day, and by the end of the day, I mean usually, like, two days before the episode is supposed to drop. Uh, it's all great. It's all great. So, one of the... One of the things that I, to to try to get us back onto writing, because that is we are a we are a writing podcast. This is a fan cast here. We're you know we're we're firmly trying to occupy that space on people's Hugo ballots. There is this thing that is always uh, like inevitably whenever you talk to another writer about doing the submission dance, it always comes back to, like, how do you deal with the fact that it's just a constant game of rejection? And I think that might have been part of what the conversation was that led us to scheduling this podcast episode three, four months ago. I've had a strange sort of arc as a writer. Um, I don't necessarily... I've been... I think I've been a little bit lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I didn't really write very much creative um, or like any kind of fiction mm-hmm. um, when I was. You know how most people they're like I have a book that I wrote when I was twelve. Oh yeah, and it had an elf, and the elf <laughs> went to fight a dragon, and I had to I I trunked that, and they were like I I. I read a lot as a teenager and I wanted to write short stories, but I, and I try, I always tried to start, but I couldn't finish. Mm -hmm. Um, I did write a really good story though in my writing class. I took a writing class, but they mostly did essays, but we had to do a short story and I killed it. But I put that away. I, and I, I was like, we are, we are doing serious things. We're not, not that fiction isn't serious, but we're doing serious Mm -hmm. English things. So I, I took, uh, English literature and history in school. And I did not start writing fiction until um, and submitting it until 2015. Right. And I think my brain had stewed a long time on stories and I spent a long time uh, reading them. Mm-hmm. So the first story that I submitted um sold to diabolical plots like i started submitting it. it in um i started submitting it in in i think it was april 2015 and mm-hmm. it got it got rejected by shimmer and it got rejected by a couple other places and then Rip i sent shimmer. it to diabol oh i loved i, I slush read for shimmer i, I loved shimmer uh, after the rejection not before. right yeah um <laughs> And uh, it got accepted in in August of 2015, mm-hmm. and that was a sh- that was in a way that was that was exciting because you know you send out your first story and it yep. gets accepted and it's you know everyone's like you know there's this list and it's like yay pro rates and all these things, but I think that was not the best for me as a writer mm-hmm. because it didn't set me up for. The following two and a half years of constant rejection, mm-hmm. I, it, it was really difficult, and I, I kept submitting. I probably had, 
I'm not as prolific as other writers. I write maybe one or two, maybe three stories a year. But mm -hmm. in that span I had had with those three or three stories, probably about 200 or 300 rejection, rejections. Like it was over 100 and mm -hmm. not close to 100. It was close to 200. And I was demoralized and mm -hmm. crying. And I was very ready to give up writing. Mm -hmm. um, so how did I deal with that? I I started thinking, okay, well, whatever I'm doing is not working mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason. So I need to start doing something else and focus on getting better at whatever that else thing is mm -hmm. because the thing that I've chosen to focus on is not working. Um, so I spent a lot of time uh, just reading and mm -hmm. talking to people about how to write stories. And I actually, Elise at Shimmer offered to read uh, this one of the stories that kept getting rejected. And mm -hmm. she was like, you have a pattern. Well, she, she, she read the story and she's like, this is what's wrong with it. You are not writing complete stories. It's beautiful, but it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have any depth. Mm -hmm. So then I went off and thought about how can I be, have more depth? So <laughs> I think I've combated the constant rejection with, okay, I'm getting rejected constantly. I need to go and learn something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily always know what it is I need to learn, mm -hmm. but I don't. I don't sit there and think you suck. You keep getting rejected anymore. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I sort of channel it into okay. Let me go and read about this, or let me go and find out about this. I, I don't just focus on the rejection itself. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Let me tell you, as somebody who did not sell their first story and was also 18 at the time that they were starting to rack up rejections, right. cry about it was a whole lot of what I did. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think one thing about writing is, is that, you know, we talk about rejection, we talk about how it gets to you. Um, but we talk about it in ways that are sort of sanitized. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I feel down or I feel depressed. No, listen, I was crying. Yeah. I was sobbing over it because I was like, what am I doing wrong? And you spend so much time writing these things and they're so personal. You put so much of your heart into it. It's mm -hmm. really difficult not to take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's so important to actually like, we we in in the golden age of science fiction twitter circa you know 2015 to like 2018 or so i want to say like yeah we're we're not in the golden age we're right not now. in the golden <laughs> age anymore but like during that golden age of like fandom tw of of writer and fandom twitter there we started seeing like a lot more people doing transparency stuff around this. Like, I'm thinking about, mm. you know, John Wiswell would do roundups of, you know, here's how many things I submitted and here's how much stuff got rejected and, you know, right. and here's how all the sales that I made, which, like, we love to see it. Stan won John Wiswell. 
And also, right. like, and, and and this is not as, like, a way to criticize that in any way, but, like, every, there, there, there's, um, there's an amount of pantomime around it, specifically around talking about rejections, that I still mm-hmm. think, like, you know, I, like, it's hard because I want to think about, like, writer Twitter as having a future and don't know that that's the case because fuck billionaires and Elon Musk specifically. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 overwhelming loneliness that you feel when you're a brand new writer and you're getting rejections back is, like, something oh, yeah. that doesn't get talked about and like you know it's perfectly reasonable to say like you know whoops i got a rejection gonna go eat some cake now like that is a plus perfect response to getting a rejection definitely have some cake but also like it's it feels sometimes like it's couching it all as like oh this is you know haha funny my emotions don't actually like have an impact were we talking about the professionalization of 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 was i talking to you oh, about fuck, that we were yeah yeah okay we this, did this, it you talk- we podcasted our way <laughs> through it <laughs> sorry you gotta cut that out but it's like you're talking about it and i'm like no 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 this this reminds me of something yes okay well <laughs> I don't have to leave right away because now we figured out our topic. <laughs> Forty minutes into the show, perfect. A plus podcasting. Um. Okay. So yes, this is this has is one of my things, and it it's such a difficult uh, balance or dichotomy or it's it's something it's not difficult it frustrates me it confuses me mm-hmm. and it's that we have all of these professional behaviors that we have to that we have to um you said pantomime mm-hmm. um and it and it does feel like that. I, I, I do often feel, and again, this is not me saying anything pointed at anybody specifically, but like we are, I first and for, foremost consider myself a very chaotic artist god, mm-hmm. like a weird person, right? Yep. That's what I am. That's what I, what I'm, I'm not professional. Uh, I don't get up every day. I mean, I I do get up at weird hours and I do work early, but I am not in a routine. I do not produce work. I do not sit down and have my water cooler chat and then do my writing and then walk Mm -hmm. off and, you know, have lunch and then come back to it. And I feel so much of writing um, is professionalized Mm -hmm. in a way. And that's needed in some respects because we are submitting things and you have to hit deadlines if you want to submit something and there are contracts. So all of that exists, but I am a chaotic weirdo. Yeah. And, and I want to feel things Mm -hmm. and I don't want to feel. And when I have feelings, 
this is going to be about my feelings. When I have feelings, um, they are not within the parameters of what is acceptable in an office setting. Mm-hmm. I have I have very strong feelings about many things, and that's why I write my stories. And I feel a lot of the time that it's like, yeah, okay, we want you to be chaotic, Susan. We want that chaotic st- story, but not now and not like that. Mm-hmm. We want it. Uh, we want it on demand. We we want it when we want it, and uh, and you have got to be sort of professional when you talk to us. But you know, go off and do your craziness. Uh, do sorry for the word, but like do your antics. We love mm-hmm. to watch it, but we we don't want it when we're dealing with you. When we're dealing with you, you have to be a business person, yeah. and I find that extremely hard. It's difficult because we're I'm artists. Like, this is a topic. Yeah, we're we, artists. We need to be in our little chaos gremlin caves. And when we, like, the best thing about the stuff I've written and sold recently has been that in every case I have written it for and sold it to another writer who already knows that I am a disaster. And right. like, like I have like agreeing. Yes, you're a disaster. Hell yeah! Like <laughs> I uh, next month, next month for listeners, two months out for us. Uh, I have a piece going up in Sarah Gailey's uh, oh, personal canons cookbook, and like I just like you know, and anybody who who sees me tweet on the reg knows I'm like all lowercase all the time except if it's Mm -hmm. making a point type of person and i just like was panicking this weekend because i was like oh shit am i do i have edits due like right the fuck now for that because i i have notes back when the fuck is that due and just like you know slid into their dms like Hey, Sarah, is, you know, and it's like, they get that. They get that I am a highly anxious, extremely chaotic person. Yeah, but like, and I, and you I, can't, I just, you can't feel... do that with everyone. No, and well, I mean, I do it publicly on Twitter quite a bit. Right, um, yeah. Uh, but um, I think people get that I'm like that. But I feel, I don't know, like, I, I don't, I don't want to come across as, like, denigrating or, like, putting down other people's styles or putting down the way other people work. Mm-hmm. But I do not see as much embracing of the artist spirit mm-hmm. in writer circles. Yeah. Um, there is some of it, and people are lovely, and they're fun and they're all of those things but i'm really that you know movie montage of the painter (laughs) swirling around paint and throwing it everywhere and walking away and yelling at the canvas and coming back and then you know Mm -hmm. showing up at the showing up at the gallery late and being like i don't know i don't know what's going on i don't know what this means you know yeah like dancing around i i am not a business person and i really it's uh i sometimes i feel constrained mhm 
Yeah, like I have I have my business sona that I put on when I go to my day job doing capitalism. And right. I I know I know that having been full-time work from home for 3 years now, it is much easier for like that facade to slip at even the slightest provocation now and for people to see the like feral gremlin side of me at work which is mostly fine because at this point like my coworkers know the type of person that i am but it's also like i don't go to twitter for professionalism i don't go to the internet for professional professionalism it's a struggle for me to go onto my work Slack and be professional because most of my Slack usage uh, as a unit of time is social and I am a gremlin. Yeah. No, I and, and this ties into us talking about the crying. Yeah. Right? Because crying is not professional. What did they say in that movie? There's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, but why? Why isn't there crying in baseball? There should be like, crying in baseball. Why, there should be a baseball of crying. We, yeah. I mean, why why should we not be passionate? Mm-hmm. I am trying to I am trying to make a story that moves somebody i'm trying to get at your heart and if mm-hmm. i don't have a heart myself i like i don't know how it is possible to do it uh, i guess but like i'm putting my heart into things and then i have to stop when i get rejected how do i turn this on and off like a tap i can't mm-hmm. right and then you get into the thing where people is like well it's cringe and i'm like you know what i'm I'm at the stage of my life where I'm going full cringe. Yeah. Like, uh, let me be cringe. If it's cringe and you think it's cringe that I'm being passionate about something, then fine. I'm cringe. You can go be non-cringe mm-hmm. and let me in- let me enjoy my cringiness. I think Miri Baker put it really well on this show last year. I think it was last year. Who knows? Time is fake. When she said... Kill not that of you that is cringe, kill the part that cringes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so poetic. It's really good. It's like, I heard that and I was like, okay, I have a new life motto. Like, No, I mean, that's, I, I, that's what it is. Like, I, I can, I, sometimes I think about it, like, you know, some of the stuff I say and it's like, well, Susan, you're being a. I don't really, I mean, it seems like I say a lot of personal things online. It's not really actual factual personal things. It's my feelings mm-hmm. that are factual. And sometimes I'm like, maybe you're being a little bit too volatile, you know? And yeah. it's like, but I'm alive only once. So yeah. might as well be volatile. Yeah. So the, this thought sprung into my head. So my dad has been working on this essay about artificial intelligence. My dad is 85. Uh, He has been a a science fiction fan since the 1950s. Oh, so he knows. Uh, He uh, has a, he does not engage with with modern technology. He does not have an answering machine. He does not have a computer. He writes letters to his friends on a typewriter. Uh, I kind of like adore this. He's he's incredible. He grinds my gears 
so often, but also he's my dad and I love him. And he's been working on this essay that, like, the last time I read it, it was uh, written out in three different colors of pen on the backs of random pieces of paper had literally been cut apart and reassembled and, like, numbered so that he could rearrange it, has this eternal essay that I'm, like... One of my goals in life is to get him to finish it and get it published somewhere because, right. like, I want his. But one of his points that he talks about artificial intelligence and how he doesn't believe that we're going to get a true machine intelligence or anything like that is, like, very much intersects with what we're seeing right now as we're recording this in late February of 2023 with the whole like chat GPT bullshit that people, I'm not going to get his phrasing right. uh, It's like people are like scissors. They are by their nature, plural and reciprocal. And like the thing that he's, yeah, he's 85. He's been, he speaks like eight different languages. He just comes up with these things. Yeah. But, like, the the thing, like, uh, an algorithm that guesses by stati- statistics what word should come next cannot elicit an emotional response intentionally because it doesn't have right. emotions. Right. I, 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 I don't know. I haven't... I have so many thoughts about this. Um, Like, I can understand, like, okay, they've made this machine. And they are like, okay, I've made this machine. And it can, you put in a prompt and it makes up something. Mm -hmm. And, okay, so that's a thing you did. Great. Yep. And I, I just, I don't understand clearly for myself why or what makes them feel good about being able to trick someone. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's really trying, that's what's happening, right? They They want to write a story that is good enough to to get past like with neil what's happening with clark's world to get past the slush readers to get into his magazine and then to say okay he bought the story now i get i get it part of it is a a hustle part of it is Mm -hmm. a i don't want to do i don't want to do much work i just want to get paid right but i i don't is it that is that all it is really Mm-hmm. Like it's so hollow, and I I just I don't understand it. And I I maybe this is you know I'm I'm always like I'm a goth I'm dark I'm blah blah blah, <sighs> but like sometimes I just want to be like okay but do you want to come to my house and like draw pictures for the afternoon and see how fun it is mm-hmm. like or do you want to like paint something because it doesn't sound like you are getting any of that 
in your life because mm-hmm. if you were enjoying and like laughing at yourself for making a mistake or like doing something artistic with somebody I don't think you would just turn around so easily and be like I can do this for money mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean I mean maybe you'd still do it but I don't think you would be so glib about it yeah and it just I I just I don't understand when people don't feel a lot of people need a lot more enrichment in their enclosures yeah like I mean I understand as I said I'm repeating myself but like I get it you've made this thing and you want to do proof of concept you know you want to show that it's it's a thing that works mm-hmm. but also why would you want to trick somebody about feelings yeah it's it's like it doesn't make sense it doesn't make yeah. sense and it doesn't like I don't think, you know, to to uh, borrow a meme from what, like twenty twenty, it doesn't spark joy. Yeah, I'm. Well, it doesn't spark joy, and 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 whereas when I write a story, um, you know, the point of the story, I read this great thread, and I cannot remember who did it. Uh, maybe I'll email you later. <laughs> To say who Perfect. it is, so you can put it in the notes. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a a thread about how stories are about emotional transference. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you know an AI doesn't have that because they it doesn't feel anything. Yeah. And I think you know that. That's an important part. Uh, this show is about rejection and it's about trunking things. And, you know, you have to feel. you. So re- working past rejection is a feeling and you learn things and mm-hmm. you, put that into, you put that into the stories. And I want to write things that people connect with. When mm-hmm. they read it, I want them to sort of leave a piece of themselves with the story. Or yeah. let the story steal a piece of them that they d- didn't know was that they didn't expect yeah. was going to get stolen, and I don't see that at all from this sort of thing. I suppose you know if we wanted to have just very easy things to read that didn't require much emotional sort of investment, mm-hmm. I could see maybe it working. But that's not the kind of art I want to make. Yeah, and like. My so I I do sometimes want to read easy things that don't make me think and and my father right. eighty five years old calls those popcorn books and I agree right. with that like and but like when I want to do that you know like I'll go get like the novelization of a video game or something which right you know is a popcorn book and also like. I think is a seriously underappreciated genre, like the well, fucking. Well, there is. Th- sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, there, no, go there for it. it. There, there is emotional transference there, though, because mm-hmm. you, you, there's someone created the game. Yep. And it caused a feeling with you, and you are looking 
to, I don't know if you're looking to relive that feeling or if you're looking, but you're looking to have contact with that, with that feeling in a written form. Mm-hmm. And so the writer is writing the book of that game and they are ta- trying to tap into that feeling. So they have to sit there and think, how do I recreate that in this book? Mm-hmm. Right. So even though it's a popcorn book, there's a lot of emotional work going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, for the writer, there's, you know, probably a fair amount of joy in getting paid to write official fan fiction. Oh, yeah. Which, like, you know, who, uh, you know, I, I know some people would say, well, yeah, no, I wouldn't. But, like, who fucking wouldn't want to do that? Like, I am constantly in awe, like, my one of my go-to popcorn series is the at this point like ancient novelizations of the resident evil games of the first oh yeah uh like one two three code veronica and then she went back and wrote res evil zero as well and like some wild ass adventures that happen like in between the games but like S.D. Perry got to write, got to, you know, make up shit for Resident Evil, which is, like, a fucking batshit amazing series. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? I mean, I would like to write Harley Quinn and and Poison Ivy. Like, I, I... I, I would just like to write it because I like how they make me feel. I like those characters. I like, I like the comic books that they're in. DC, um, if you're listening, I would like get to at do Susan. <laughs> please. I have written this on Twitter so many times. Please <laughs> contact me. Please. Um, but yeah, I, I, I... No one is saying... Like, I'm not saying that everything has to be a hard-hitting, emotional, like, you know, mm-hmm. downer of a... I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a downer <laughs> with my stories. But, like, not everything has to be that. Even a popcorn book written by a human has emotional consideration mm-hmm. built into it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, um, so I, I listened to this podcast with friends at the table. I'm very chill and normal about it. Uh, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, Austin Walker, who's the, the GM for the games on there, uh, just released uh the like vibes only playlist that he made for the new season that's starting up any minute now and i was i was listening to it and he put a couple of tracks from uh hemes on there and i was thinking and like fucking banger ass tracks he put uh soup boys and nyc cops which like if you haven't heard them look them up, I will send you links to them after the show is done recording. And I was thinking about how I think so many people have slept on Hemes because the only way that they're familiar with his work is that back when he was in Das Racist, he wrote Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. And like, that's you can say, okay, that's a stupid meme song. And, like, it is, but also it's a slap. And also, like, writing off, like, 
writing that off as essentially meaningless by saying, like, oh, that's a stupid meme song discounts the artistry of, like, it, it discounts the idea that anything that isn't, like, you know, grimdark, gritty realism, AAA, you know, prestige TV, whatever, isn't serious art. Like, a song about being at the Pizza Hut that's also a Taco Bell on the corner of Jamaica Avenue is makes me feel a thing. Right, like, how I, is that not any I, more important? No, uh, and this is this is an interesting topic for me because I don't generally write happy things. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you this: um, I find that my happier work doesn't tend to get bought. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another story. Um, I should maybe I sh- could have read that one. It was it was happy. It's a happy ending, lesbian. Uh, final girl slasher flash where they end up together at the end and they don't both die because I love they're this. both the final girl. Right. And it's happy. And I just I had a hard time selling that one. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's it ties into what you were saying. Um, I think I don't know if I am at the point in my writing where it's like people expect a certain thing from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, th- but this was unexpected. And uh, I also, I like darker work. I tend to read darker work, but sometimes I do want to write something happy and I don't know uh, where to send it sometimes mm-hmm. or, or yeah. what to do with it. I mean, there are some happy, happier markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I have another issue with this. I have issues with everything. I don't believe that, um, this is a big issue. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that work is either grim, dark or happy. And mm-hmm. I really feel that there's been this dichotomy set up and it's like, well, I, you're a grim, dark writer, or you're a dark writer. And, and so you write dark things and you want this kind of catharsis and, I'm a hope punk person and I want I want to feel good about stuff and it's like I I just I I feel like that's a very simplistic way to view stories of course there are things that exist on the polar opposites mm-hmm. but you know most of life isn't like that reject false binaries yeah and I, I so I've, I like you can have a dark story with happy moments mhm and you can have a happy story with dark moments because that's life, right? Yeah. So I, I really sort of am a bit when people are like, you know, this dichotomy and, oh, you're so dark. <laughs> and it's like, well, I find dark things comforting generally. But mm-hmm. dark things don't always have to be a monotone feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And happiness doesn't have to be a monotone feeling. Yeah. That I I have no end cap thought. That was it. I, it's good. It's good. I uh, I I want to try to to claw us back in looking at the runtime right now. I'm like, oh yeah, this is just going to be a goblin episode. It's gremlins all the way down. Uh, but I just heard this weird noise, and this this blue police box just showed up in the the room, the podcast room, and. Uh, 
I'm wondering if we can take a step inside and uh, go back, if you can think of any words of wisdom that you'd like to offer to 2015 Susan Palumbo, and by extension to uh, any of our listeners who may need those words of wisdom. Oh, 2015 Susan Palumbo was a completely different person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did write some really banger stuff in the doc that we are theoretically referencing once in a while for this about uh, right. vulnerability, so... Right. Well, I mean, I think so. I sometimes I just like talking about myself this way because it sort of feels um, immodest and it feels uh, like I'm Trinidadian and Trinidadians are really um, not raised to talk about their achievements mm -hmm. or to I mean, some people do, but those are the cringe people and <laughs> they're living their cringe life. <laughs> Um, but like All the it's, more it's power really, to them. A, yeah. But for me internally, it's it's a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. But with that said, I'm gonna say this, and I don't like saying it, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it. I I get a lot of commentary that um, people read my stories and they cry. Um, the last year, mm -hmm. I've I had two two short stories out. Um, the one in Lightspeed and another one in the dark. And um, I had a lot of commentary that people cried. Like I, I got people yelling at me in a good way saying mm -hmm. I made them cry. I think that is because I really put my heart on the page. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it goes back to our cringe thing. It, those stories that I write are... It, it's not me. It's not the character. Like, I am not the person. The situation is not exactly the situation I've been in. But I have every feeling I have written into those stories mm -hmm. have felt. And so, you know, when people ask me to give myself advice in the past, I always say I would not give myself advice mm -hmm. um, in the past. Because I had to go through all those feelings. Right. I had to be reject. I had to be rejected that whatever hundred to two hundred times. I had to cry. Um, I had to be very frustrated with myself. I had to drag myself out of the closet. Mm -hmm. I had to deal with you know all the issues of, of, of dealing with those things. And if I gave myself advice, that would have cut off some of that learning experience and they, mm -hmm. that learning experience would not have made it into my stories. And so, right. you know, this is, this is bordering on you have to suffer for your <laughs> art. And I'm not saying you have to suffer for your art. I'm saying mm -hmm. you have, I, I, I'm saying embrace, embrace your vulnerabilities or embrace your feelings. The feelings mm -hmm. don't have to be suffering. And if you can sort of keep those present when you write, I feel that the product, because, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about GPT chat, yeah. <laughs> comes out, people, people connect with it. They can feel it. They can feel, oh, this, that's why I get people who, who, who cry and yell at me because they they feel it mm -hmm. and it's because I felt it 
So that's that's my advice to people generally is to not be afraid to to make yourself get upset or cry or while you're writing. Hell yeah. I think that that's You don't have to be perfectly advice. professional. Mhm. Be a gremlin. Drawing it back around to the the definitely bagged pickles topic that uh, we came on here to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I was excited about those. I still yeah. haven't gotten a bagged pickle. I need to, like, whenever I go to the States, if I <laughs> ever end up there, like, my number one goal is get a bagged pickle and drink the pickle juice. Hell yeah. Out of this bag. Take pictures. I support you in this. If uh, if I make it up to Canada at any point in the near future, I will import as many bagged pickles as customs will allow I me will to. I will be there. You you be like, listen, I got the stuff. And you will show up. <laughs> oh, that would probably be my. That would probably be up there with my worst interactions with customs at the Canada-U.S. border. Pickles. Uh, if, if I, if I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just bringing a whole bunch of pickles to my friend. I've, I've gotten some weird looks at the border in the past. Oh, Along yeah. with being, you know, a, a weird looking person, having some weird interests, uh, not, not necessarily knowing social mores. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, good stuff. So before we get out of here, uh, and before I drag us down with, tales of customs and border patrol uh i know that you have something coming out in the fall here uh i would love if you can tell us about skin thief right so we started this podcast with spooky susan yep <laughs> and so susan. in the fall um my short story collection is coming out it's called skin thief um, obviously that's the title and it's a short story collection and uh, you know the, all of this all connects I was saying in this um, story here that it connects to something I wrote uh, in Lightspeed these stories I while I've been writing all this time I noticed that I had an issue <laughs> with with shapeshifters with body horror and mm -hmm. with skin and changing um, and I got to the point where I was like, this is enough material to put together Hell yeah. into a short story collection. So, and so it's, it's going to be, I think it's probably going to be about 12 or 13 stories and they're linked by these themes of, you know, uh, shape shifting and, and that type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I love the cover. It's got mm -hmm. the two people on it. Um, what else can I tell you about it really quickly? Oh, okay. So, when you're putting together a short story collection, there's a lot of people talking, and they're like, okay, how are we going to order this? Right? Mm -hmm. How are you going to put this in order? And then you have the gremlin people who are like, I don't care about order. I just read any story. I just open the book and there's a story and I read it and then I open the book to another page and then I read it, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's those goblin people. But I wasn't being a goblin when I put this together. I put these stories together in a very specific order because mm -hmm. there's an arc that happens throughout the story with the shape shifting. Ooh. And 
So the stories themselves are shapeshifter stories or stories where people find themselves or their identities. But the, st the arc of the book is a shape-shifting arc. So when oh, you read I love it, that. When you read it, you will see that the tone and the language at the beginning of the book is much more Canadian, mm -hmm. is much more, you know, much more Western. And then as we go through the book, the book sort of peels, like the characters sort of slowly change. And at the end, it's completely dialect and completely Trinidadian and, and a different set of folklore. So, I mean, when if you decide to buy this book, which you, you can should read it, which you should. Uh, it it has a very lovely cover, and Dave is uh like just such a wonderful person. So you know, support me and support Dave, who puts out all this great queer work. Yep. Um, we love Dave Ring. We love Neon Hemlock. We do. Um, Dave is is a good guy. Um, but you you can you will you can read it as you want it. You know, pick and choose, but. If you really want the maniacal sort of diabolical plan experience, mm -hmm. you read the whole thing through in order. That sounds like a great plan. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited for this. I'm absolutely thrilled about this. Uh, and who knows? I haven't filled out my calendar for the year quite yet. Maybe you'll come back and uh, go on book tour with oh, it yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. We, we can talk about changing pickles, like shape-shifting pickles. We can talk about, I love this. I've had a lovely time. It's been really easy and fun. Excellent. Uh, well, before we go, two quick questions. Uh, first, not a quick question, actually. Uh, has there been any media that you've been consuming? Stories, books... Video games, music, uh, oh random YouTube series, Let's Plays, who knows, uh, that you're really pumped up about and want other people to get into as well. Okay, so, I have said this everywhere, I've been playing Cult of the Lamb. I mm -hmm. haven't been playing much in the last couple weeks because I have deadlines, I have a story due tomorrow we were talking about, so I haven't been able to play. But I really love that game. I actually listened to the soundtrack the Temple <sighs> Sacrifice soundtrack on repeat um, nice. because I love it. It's just, it's so perfect. And you were talking about being asked to write a game or write a book. Mm -hmm. I, I so wish I had been on the team that created this, this game. It's yeah. so cute. It's so satanic. <laughs> I just, it's like, what more do you want? Cute and satanic. It's perfect. I it's love it. It's great. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, I just started watching Interview with the Vampire, oh, um, nice. which I think I think I'm a little bit behind on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I only I only saw the first episode. I really liked it. Um, it looks real, real dark. gay. Oh, it's super gay. <laughs> I love that. Anne I Rice would it. hate it. Well, I don't know. She's not here, so. Yep. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, I really, I really liked the, um, Louis and the actor who plays him and he is, it's an emotional story and we're talking about emotion and it hooked me. Mm -hmm. he, he has a scene at the end of the first episode where he's confessing and 
you know, I was like, okay, this is a good show. But when he started confessing, he oh. did it with such conviction. And I was like, okay, you got me. Mm-hmm. Got me. What else? I'm really, I haven't read this yet, but I'm looking forward to reading the book. Um, tell, I think it's called Tell Me I'm Worthless mm-hmm. uh, by, I think her last name, her last name, I think it's her, Rumfit is her last name. And I, I and I, I'm using her, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronoun. Um, we'll have we'll have it all in the but, show notes. It'll all be great. Good. Um, but I'm looking forward to that because I've it it it's a gothic. Um, Ooh. It's a gothic horror, and it's about a woman, and she goes to a house, and something happens to her, and she yes, perfect, she comes excellent. away from it. And I've heard only stellar reviews uh what else do i like i i haven't read too too much this year because i've been consumed with several deadlines mm-hmm. um Mood. i did go to the i did go to the symphony though oh i did go to the symphony yeah and i i'm one of my look i'm going off now <laughs> I, one of my favorite composers is prokofiev oh, i, I listen to uh, is great yeah right yeah um Joys of having an 85-year-old father. Listen, this is a blessing. (laughs) Um, I absolutely love him. And uh, so I I finally, it's been a life goal to uh, get to see the Romeo and Juliet suite. Mm -hmm. And I like like the the hits from it, you know, the the Montagues and the Capulets. But the death of Tybalt is such a banger. And I'm like, people... You know what? Put on Death of Tybalt and see mm-hmm. how ballet can be a banger. I, I mm-hmm. loved it. It's great. I don't know if anybody's going to go do that, but like, I'm being weird today. I'm going to put it in the show notes. If you're interested, you should click on it. If you're not interested, too bad. Click on it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> when they were playing it, I was like, whoa, <laughs> in, the, in the symphony. I was the that's only the person kind of, like that, though. That's the kind of reaction you want to have. Like, that, yeah. that's... It, it all comes back. We're talking about art. Art is supposed to make you feel a thing. Yeah, it, when you get rejected, you're supposed to feel something. You don't have to... You don't have to wash it away right away. I mean, it's not great to wallow for the rest of your life, but you're allowed mm-hmm. to feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, there was one more question, I think. There was right? one more question. The, the final question is... Uh, We've we've talked around it a lot. Where can our listeners find you online in case they want to see you full gremlin mode twenty four seven? Oh my gosh! Well, am I like okay? So I am currently on and the most active on Twitter um, because it suits my gremlin behavioral patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at silly syntax, which I think is pretty easy to remember, and then. So then I was like, okay, I had to branch out a bit because we don't know the stability because Twitter is a gremlin also. So we don't know what Twitter is doing. So I'm also on Instagram and uh, that's at Gothic Syntax. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I am on Mastodon. Uh, I I believe that's Silly Syntax as well. Susan Palumbo at Silly Syntax. I'm not great at Mastodon. I be, just that's because fair. it's not it doesn't 
it's it's not as chaotic. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, it, I am there. It has there. quieter energy. Yeah, it's quieter, which is lovely. Um, but not necessarily me, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, what else? I have a website, and it's Susan Palumbo. Dot WordPress. Dot com. That sounds right. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. So that's a I problem mean, for future Hillary. Yeah. Um, I have to uh, update it a little bit, but. If there's, if anyone ever wants to send me a nice message, there's a contact form. You could be like, "Hey, I like your stuff." Listeners, you have two jobs now. First, listen to Prokofiev's "Death of Tybalt." Second, send Susan <laughs> no, a nice message. <laughs> no, you don't have to. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, hope you enjoyed it. I think you'll enjoy it, listeners. You've had a good time. I mean, you know, it, it it would be meta if they rejected the episode. It would be. It would be a wild thing. Well, Susan, it's been so much fun having you on the show. I really Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The anytime I can get somebody on to just have unhinged gremlin time with me is A plus in my books. Yeah, no, it's been lovely. I, I'm, I've had a lovely time, and, and this has been very uh, relaxed. Excellent. So that's good. That's, that's the goal. Listeners, stick around next month when my guests will be Lads and Brandon O'Brien. Oh, that's a, yeah. you're having like a Trinidadian uh, streak. Yeah. You know? No, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I did not intentionally set it up this way but it is a thing that i want to do and like do it brandon's work is great and hopefully by the time we record that episode i will still remember why i asked him on initially other than just like brandon o'brien's awesome we should have brandon o'brien on the show no what will happen is you guys will be talking you'll be you'll be talking and then you'll be like oh yeah this is why I'm here 40 minutes into the show. 40 minutes into the flawless podcast, A+. Thank you. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter, theoretically, at TrunkCast, and I tweet at HBBisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Don't self-reject.